بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا من بعد My brothers and sisters, we were talking about <coughs> the life of the great Sahabi Salman al-Farsi radiallahu and his uh, drive and his persistent search for the truth. <coughs> we are not talking here about somebody who is uh, doing a weekend course or something like that. Uh, we, we all need to do what we can do. So, if somebody is doing a weekend course, good for them. But we need to also differentiate between what we consider as effort and what the effort was that the Sahaba and the Tabiyon and the Tabiyon and the others, we asked the Salaf Salihin what kind of effort they made. By definition, all effort is effort, but the magnitude of the effort is directly proportionate to the magnitude of the result of the effort, the gain. So in this case, these were people who did not spend a, a limited time in the search for truth and in pursuing that truth when they find it. But they dedicated their entire time and their entire life to that. Now, easy to say this, but it's important to remember that when we say that I'm dedicating my entire life to one activity, then by definition, <clears throat> it means that I am not dedicating any time or minimal time to every other activity. I mean, obviously, everybody's got 24 hours. So, if I say, for example, that I'm dedicating my my whole life to learning to play golf, then it means that I am not going to go to school, I'm not going to spend time with my family, I'm not going to do anything other than learn golf, how to play golf. Now, same thing for these people. They said, well, we want to spend our entire time uh, in developing our ta'aluk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it meant that, obviously, uh, whatever else they had to do in their lives, they either did not do it or they did that for a minimal amount of time, just enough to get by. Just as, for example, we do our deen today, right? just enough to get by. I pray five times salah and I think that's khalas. Then I pray... I pay zakat one time in the year and uh, I believe I have finished with deen. Just enough to get by. Turn that upside down, turn it on its head. This is what the Sahaba and the Salaf Salihin did with other things in life, not with deen. For them, deen had primacy. Deen, had, deen was the most important thing. Everything else took a back seat. So obviously, <clears throat> just as we if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had, for example, uh, and this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not uh, make our, make the health of our soul, Allah does not make the health of our ruh visible. Allah makes only the health of our, uh, or partially the health, health of our body visible. 
right even the body itself is not completely visible what the the what is happening inside the body we can't see but outside the body so if you go to the gym and you are pumping iron regularly you will find you know nice muscles and so on and so forth and may allah bless our youth then they wear tight t-shirts so that the muscles are visible to the whole world which is not even according to islam but anyway uh, the point is that if allah had made the health of the soul visible in the same way what would you see yeah, maybe we would see a soul which has which is minus one arm or has no eyes because it's allah said la ta'mal qulub walakin la ta'mal absar walakin ta'mal qulub allati fi sudur allah said they are not blind with the eyes they are blind because the heart cannot see so we would have souls which are blind and then we would wonder what is it how is it that how can i be blind well you know you did nothing for the eyes and so on and so forth is the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he did not see he did not make the soul visible to us uh, but this was not the state of the people of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now salman al-farsi rahmatullahi was one of these and to continue his story <coughs> one day salman al-farsi radhiyallahu uh, was in salat al-jumu'ah he was in the first saf and the khatib was umar ibn al-khattab radhiyallahu who was not simply a khatib he was not simply an imam he was the amirul mu'minin he was the amir the head of the believers he was the khalifa al muslimin Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab began his khutbah and he said Ya ayu al-lazina amanu atiu allaha wa atiu rasoola wa uli al-amri minkum The ayat of uh, Surah An-Nisa where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered and said Oh you believe, obey Allah, obey Rasulullah sallallahu and obey the leaders among you Salman al-Farsi very loudly right from the front He said, we will obey Allah, we will obey the Rasul, but we will not obey you. Now imagine this situation, imagine what kind of a situation that is. Now first of all, for a believer, for a Muslim to say, I will not obey the Khalifa of the Muslims, the Amir al-Mu'mineen, uh, I'm not making fatawa, but it is something which can amount to kufr, because you are denying what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered you to do. Now, how could Salman al-Farsi say something like that? I mean, he, there's no one, uh, you know, none of us know the deen better than him. But he said it. He said, we will obey Allah, we will obey the Rasul, but we will not obey you. Now, see Sayyidina Amar He did not immediately respond to him. He didn't, you know, he didn't say, punish him, catch him, whatever. He asked him, he said, my brother, why did you say that? See the helm, see the sabr, see the patience, see the uh, wisdom. Salman al-Farsi said, from the ghanima, from the uh, spoils of war that you received, you gave all the people of Badr one length of cloth but I see that you are wearing two lengths so you are unjust and if you are not just we will not obey you Sayyidina Amar did say anything he remained silent 
But his son, Abdullah ibn Umar who was there, he stood up and he said to Sayyidina Salman al-Fasid, he said, my uncle, my father is a big man and one length of cloth was not enough for him, so I gave him my piece of cloth. That is how he has to. Salman al-Fasid immediately, he said, then, inshallah, we will obey Allah, we will obey the Rasul, and we will obey you. Now, think about this whole story. What was the need for this? If you just think about this and say, well, okay, so Salman al-Fasid had a doubt. What was the problem? Why could he not simply clarify this doubt privately? Because after all, Sayyidina Amar was his good friend. It was not as if he was some stranger or something not accessible, nothing like that. What was the need for Salman al-Farsi to raise this matter in this way publicly in front of all the people in the masjid? Right? So was he trying to humiliate Sayyidina Amar Was he trying to insult him? Was he trying to put him in a difficult difficult spot? What what was the what was the reason? Now in my understanding of this whole situation Salman al-Farsi was actually doing a favor to Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab and the favor he was doing to him was that here was Sayyidina Umar wearing these two pieces of cloth. Now everyone in the masjid was seeing this and it is entirely likely that this doubt about the honesty of Sayyidina Umar about the integrity of Sayyidina Umar, about the justice of Sayyidina Umar this doubt would probably have been in the hearts and minds of a lot of people. But Sayyidina Umar being who he is, who he was, he was a just man, he was a kind man, he was a very wonderful human being, but he was also very intimidating. He was also the Khalifa and he was, people were afraid of him. And not everyone had the courage to ask him a question directly to his face. But this was not the case with Salman al-Farsi because Sayyidina Umar was, you know, contemporary of his, he was a friend of his and so on and so forth. So there is a very high possibility that there were a lot of people in the masjid who would have these doubts about Sayyidina Umar, seeing what he was wearing. And those doubts could later on have become means for the enemies of Sayyidina Umar to foment trouble against him by saying, see, here is this man who is unjust, this is what he is doing. Now, how do you clarify that? Now, obviously, to stand up and say, well, you know, this is this happened, that happened, we are just unjust, all this would be uh, counterproductive and useless. So, Sayyidina Salman al-Farsi did something which, on the face of it, seems very strange, but it's something which is wonderful, because he asked the question, and the, really, if you look at it, he was asking the question, not because he had any doubt, because I'm sure he had no doubt. But he was asking the question on behalf of all those people who had doubts. And he gave Sayyidina Umar an opportunity to clarify that publicly in front of everybody. So now, if somebody wanted to raise uh, any objection against Sayyidina Umar, it was impossible because the matter had already been clarified. See Sayyidina Umar understanding also. Because here is something where one of the big ones is apparently... Uh, being rebellious is apparently challenging his authority. Right? Anyone without the wisdom of Sayyidina Umar would probably more than likely have said, have, have, he would have reacted and he would have, you know, there, there would have been an altercation or 
or whatever, right? Um, or he may have ignored it, he may, he may not have answered it, and then later on there could have been a problem. But Sayyidina Umar Adelano's wisdom also is so beautiful that he understood what was happening. And he knew that this is not Salman al-Farsi trying to put me into trouble, it is Salman al-Farsi helping me. So let me complete this thing and let me help myself by responding to this in a beautiful way, which is, which is exactly what happened. Now the reason I'm saying this is because there are many times when sometimes people will, many times in our lives where people will, uh, you know, our friends for example, will tell us something which is critical, which tell us something which uh, might even hurt because of, you know, where they say it, how they say it. I'm not saying every every time they say it is something that uh, they are saying it in the same context because we are not in the position of Sayyidina Umar Adelano. And uh, ideally speaking, if you want to correct somebody, it is uh, uh, the, advisable, the, advi- the, the advisable thing to do, and this was also the way of Nabi Sallam, is to do that privately, uh, not, not to do it publicly. But if it happens publicly, one option we have also is to think about in this context and say, that how can I take something like this, which, irrespective of the intention of the questioner, it is something, no matter if it, if it, if I didn't like it so much, but how can I convert this into something which is beneficial for myself and others? So I want to leave that thought with you.